0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. A new report by the Center for American Progress looked at the state of small business ownership in the United States right now. And even though entrepreneurship has been on the decline, what's more interesting is who are actually owning these businesses. The data shows that there are fewer instances of business ownership to Hispanics, African-Americans, and women in comparison to white males. Kate Bond is an economist at the Center for American Progress, and she joins us right now to discuss the report. Great to have you, Kate. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. The numbers that, that you found in your report tell you what?
1: the numbers I found is similar to what other people have found looking at some of these racial and gender differences that it appears to be much harder for women and people of color to have a business. They're much less likely to have a business. And what I also did in this report is I not only looked at those overall lower rates, that is a pretty well-established fact, but I also looked at the likelihood of having a business in the household, even when we control for some of the things that are typically correlated with business ownership, like having a high income, having high wealth, having more education. And I found that even when you control for those things that tend to be correlated with uh, having a business, that women... African-Americans and Hispanics are still even less likely. So even with the same wealth, even with the same education, they're still less likely to have a business in their house. The
0: the, the numbers I saw in the reporting, I guess, varied anywhere between like 25 to 8%, depending on uh, the demographic that, that you're actually talking about. And for a lot of people, they may say, well, you know, that's that's not a big number. But when you think about it being a specific demographic and small businesses across the United States, it probably ends up being a fairly significant amount.
1: Yeah, well, so, you know, for example, um, African-American households are 5% less likely to own a business, even when we control for things. But that... What sounds like a small amount 5% less likely explains why they have business ownership rates that are almost a third of what they are for white households. So that actually ends up being a lot less businesses owned by people of color.
0: So what are some of the reasons in terms of the reporting that you found out as to why they are not actually owning these businesses? I mean, is it is it more of a financial issue, uh, maybe part and parcel to the recession uh, and the economic challenges that we've seen in this country?
1: What I found actually is that it wasn't so much the recession, and I knew so the ter, the overall trend downward in business ownership that we've seen started before the recession, and certainly yeah. the recession did not help. Um, but it seems as though the recession was had a, a bigger negative impact on uh, white male-owned businesses rather than African American businesses, Hispanic businesses, or women-owned businesses. Um, they were always low, and they stayed low after the recession. Um, so I think what we're finding is some of it is. Uh, wealth gaps in particular. If you have less wealth, it's much harder to start a business, not only because it's hard to finance your own business, but also because you don't have collateral to get other business financing. But what I really think I found in this report is that there seems to be also just some sort of structural barriers. That even if you have education and money, um, if you don't have access to business networks, um, if you maybe are more likely to be discriminated against in the financial system, um, you can't get as much informal mentoring and training from other business owners. Um, These things are sort of the softer structural issues that make it more difficult to start a business even when you have what we generally consider are the tools, which is education and uh, wealth. That well, it's, there's more structural things going on here.
0: One of the things that you bring up in the report is that, and you know, I don't think this comes as a, as a massive surprise to a lot of people, is that in this day and age when you think small business, a lot of times you think startup or tech startup, Mm -hmm. and, and there are so many more businesses that would fall into this category than just those.
1: Yeah, I think that's important. So, you know, when we think of entrepreneurs, we definitely we often think of these high-tech, high-growth kind of Silicon Valley businesses or even businesses in the Boston area. Um, but what I tried to point out in this report that really small businesses are, you know, main street small businesses as well. These are also entrepreneurs. These are also people who um are starting new businesses, and we need to think when we think about our sort of entrepreneurship policy and we think about entrepreneurship issues that we should consider sort of Main Street small businesses as. The backbone of American entrepreneurialism.
0: We're joined by Kate Bond of the uh, Center for American Progress. Your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Going back a little bit, Kate. Uh, in terms of as you said, the the, the shift on entrepreneurship kind of started back in the nineteen nineties. W- was there something that, that that cropped up back then historically that that kind of sent this pattern, uh, you know, to the point where it's it's dipped down a, a decent amount over the last. 25 years.
1: Yeah, I think it's um one of the big big economic trends of our time is increasing inequality. Um Yeah. So yeah, not only income inequality, but also particularly wealth inequality, I think, explains the overall decline in entrepreneurialism.
0: Which, which I guess in some respects is a, is a little bit of a scary statistic to, to kind of delve into, and th- is the fact that it's been going on realistically for 25 years. And it's still an issue today, and, and it's one that's talked about, but we still haven't really seen uh, a whole lot of change on.
1: Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to reverse the trend yet, it
0: seems. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. I, I, obviously, I, in part, now uh, you have people dealing with the, the repercussions of, of the financial crisis, but you also have, as you said, the income inequality. So it's that level of security that people need to feel to want to to feel comfortable to open a business. That's a, that's a big lacking quality as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's pretty risky to open a business. Um, so particularly if you're lower income, that risk is going to be even starker. Um, because if you don't have income to fall back on, if you don't have wealth to fall back on or don't have like, uh, family support to fall back on, family income support or wealth support to fall back on, it's much riskier for you, um, in order to start your own business. And so, you know, some of the things we're trying to think through here is how can we support small business owners? There's a couple different things we can do to make it, you know, less risky for them, give them the sort of, tools and education they need, some of it might be stopping people from starting a business if they're not ready, if they're not able to take on that risk. Um, or some of it might be figuring out financial supports to make sure that they can support themselves while taking on this risk.
0: Part of it, I, I would think also today, and, and I think you alluded to it before, is the fact that uh, for people to be able to get the collateral, or I should say not the collateral, but the, the financing, mm-hmm. uh, to open a business, it, that is obviously, it's something that's a little bit harder these days in the wake of the, the, of the crisis.
1: That is true. That is, yeah. You know, I might be downplaying the role of the Great Recession a bit too much. Um, it's true that the banking system is much less likely to lend to people right now. It seems really, really hard for people to get small business loans. Um, so, you know, both small business administration loans as well as traditional small business loans. Uh, banks just aren't as able to lend out to people, um, which is no fault of the banks per se, but we definitely need to start thinking through ways in which we can add a little bit more. Um, flexibility to the system so people are able to actually get uh, financial services to help them start a business.
0: One of the uh, the things that I wanted to bring up is, and and you probably see it as well, in the monthly jobs reports that come out, one of the things that is being focused on is the wage growth uh, Mm -hmm. that's happening in the country, uh, you know, in general. And obviously it's been slow. It hasn't been as fast as probably a lot of people would like to see. Uh, But if, if, if you can continue on this path of economic growth, is there the hope? I would think, and this would partly be, you know, doing this report in another few years ago or uh, moving down the line, uh, that the the potential of this changing may actually uh, may grow because if people have more money, they obviously feel a little bit more secure, and the opportunities to be able to get those loans are are greater in the next few years.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. So, you know, what we've seen over in the labor market uh, for a while is we've had a labor market with a lot of job lock. People aren't really willing to move around in between jobs. Um, Wages haven't been going up. The labor market seems to still have a lot of slack in it. Um, But now, finally, wages are starting to creep up. And what that means, if wages are starting to creep up, people are going to feel a little bit more secure. They're more likely to be willing to transition into a new job or into business ownership in general, and that's going to make the labor market much more dynamic. Um, and one thing, you know, I sort of focus on this report and my, my background as a labor economist is I see being a business owner as an occupational choice. It's a job you choose to have. Sure. Um, so when we have a labor market that is tighter, with uh, more wage growth in it, and we're going to see people moving around, have more labor mobility, and one of the things they're going to be mobile and transition into is going to be business ownership, in addition to you know better match jobs for themselves.
0: But the, the level of education, in terms of as you alluded to before, the level of education in terms of yes, I, I'm I'm actually set up and I can go ahead and open this business or well, maybe it's not the right time. That, that, I think, ends up being a crucial component to this mm-hmm. process going forward.
1: Yeah, definitely. I know. That's one of the things uh, you know, we think through is that part of having really good uh, small business supports or supports for uh, entrepreneurs is stopping people from doing it if they're not ready to. Um, and that makes them less likely to fail and less likely to face these huge income or wealth uh, drops if they start, try to start a business and aren't successful.
0: Where do you think that support needs to come from? And and I say that because here at Wharton, we have the Wharton Small Business Development Center, which obviously does that type of work. But, Mm -hmm. you know, does that need to come from the federal government? Does that need to come from institutions like the Wharton School here? You know, those type of of like-minded entities. Where do you see that?
1: I think, um, well, the thing about entrepreneurship um, and trying to help people start businesses, it seems pretty unique to sort of the local geography that people are in, the local city, the local industries, and so it helps a lot to have really um, policies that are very sort of like place-based policies focused on the local environment. So one of the things that the Small Business Development Centers does is that they're operated traditionally out of universities in the local community, so they do have a tie to the local community, Um, and I think there's also space for federal policy to give the resources to municipalities or states to operate programs. But it really, I think, helps when they are really, they're spearheaded by um, a local state or municipality or a local grassroots organization, because they're really going to understand the needs of the local market and the culture of the local economy.
0: Is there also a little bit of an element to this that maybe just people in general Whether that be their personal situation or their financial situation, they just don't feel like they can pull it off right now. And that's why partly why we've seen the drop in entrepreneurship over the last 25 years.
1: Yeah, that could be a lot of it. There's sort of two different types of entrepreneurs generally in the literature. There's necessity entrepreneurs and there's opportunity entrepreneurs. Right. And necessity entrepreneurs are more likely to be uh, low income folks who may not have other job, job opportunities and so really, you know, going into business for themselves as a self employed person might be the only job they can do. Um, and then on the other side, there's opportunity entrepreneurs who see these great opportunities and uh, they do it because they see like a good investment opportunity or they have a great idea. Um, And I think, you know, when the economy is a little bit more precarious um, and a little less sure, you're going to see fewer people doing it for the good opportunities are going to want to hunker down more, um, and they going to want to take that risk.
0: The, the the one benefit that we have seen with some of these uh, reports coming from the Labor Department uh, every month is, is that the the want of people within a job to be more aggressive in terms of moving from job to job is there, which I would think would potentially lead to more people thinking, hey, listen, I can take this out on my own. I, I you know I can take the gamble. Uh, right now, more so than maybe you know uh, ten or fifteen years ago,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's what I think we hope would happen as as our you know economy becomes more dynamic and the labor market tightens up a bit more.
0: eight four four Wharton is the number to give us a call eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Let's go out to California, Walnut Creek, Dave. go ahead.
2: Good morning. Um, I'd like to comment I'm a small business owner myself, and so I talk with a lot of other ones as well and A big reason that people don't want to do it is all of the government regulations, expenses, the health care now. They have to take care of their own. There's so many regulations and expenses that it just, when the wage goes up, that's great for the workers. But I have friends that are closing their business because they can't afford to pay those wages, so they have to shut them down. Kate?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, what I'm looking at in this report is really sort of low to moderate income small business owners. And I don't want to sort of say that the experience of a small business owner who is dealing with a subs- significant regulations isn't a true hardship, but I think for these low and moderate income people who want to start businesses, it's not regulations that's holding them back. It's truly lack of access to capital, lack of access to training, lack of access to the resources they need to start a business. They're not at the level yet where regulations are affecting them in a negative way. Um, and of course, regulations can be you know, made a little bit more efficient, but we're, I think what we're seeing the overall decline in business dynamism. It's a really a decline in sort of one to five-person one to five people businesses, um, low to moderate income pe- people being able to start businesses, and I don't think it's regulations who are holding those folks back.
0: But it, it also does that. That does kind of add on to the potential issues here in the fact that. Okay, if you're that small type of business, as you said, maybe one to 10 people, okay, you're going to have that problem with the financing, you know, if you're going to try and get that off the ground. But then as Dave says, you know, once you kind of get it off the ground, then, then potentially you got a deal. So it, it's almost like the one-two punch that you're having to deal with.
1: Yeah, um, I think there are ways that you can try to make regulations easier to navigate, but of course, a lot of these regulations are put into place uh, with the best intentions of public safety um, and being able to sort of finance a system through tech, business taxes and things like that. So, there are reasons we have those regulations, um, and there's ways we can make it easier for businesses to navigate it um, or to get any relief from it if it does become really. Um, too much of a burden for them. So, for example, some states like Michigan, Ohio um, have these things called one-stop shops, which are these sort of municipal-run business offices that you can Figure out how to, you know, it's one place that you go to and one portal you go to to figure out how to navigate the regulations, navigate business taxes, navigate the permitting and any other zoning things you might need help with. So there's ways to make that easier for business owners to navigate, but we have those regulations for a reason.
0: Dave, how big is your business and and have you had any concerns uh, of keeping it open in the last few years?
2: Personally, I have not. I have only one employee. Okay. But, um, I have a friend, for instance, who runs a pizza parlor. And five years ago, he opened another one when they raised the wages. It just put him over the break even point on in the food industry. So he had to shut down that one. Um, it, it's just, it's very difficult. And they can say, we'll help you navigate and we'll give you money. But then that money needs to be paid back. And then that's another burden. And after a while, you just say, I can't swing it, so you, you
0: close up shop. Dave, thanks very much for the call and for the comments. Greatly appreciate it. We're uh, talking with Kate Bond, who's an economist at the Center for American Progress, and uh, uh, the report that they did looked at uh, looks at small business ownership and uh, some of the reasons why uh, Hispanics and African Americans, as well as women, uh, are also uh, owner. Or I should say, opening up fewer small businesses than uh, than white males. Uh, I guess. In terms of the dynamic between men and women, what are some of the reasons why it, it, you're seeing that those lower levels of ownership by women right now?
1: I mean, I think part of it is sort of the same thing that we're seeing for people of color, that wealth gaps again and inequality again is going to affect uh, women differently than men because they're just less likely to have less wealth. Um, I do think also sometimes business networks can be pretty hard to navigate for women. I think any group of people who is a minority among business ownership is going to have a harder time accessing those networks. So I think sometimes female business owners have a hard time sort of making connections, getting the mentoring they need, getting that really informal business education um, if Business network networks kind of tend to be old boys clubs,
0: and they, and then if you want to do try and and get that uh, that uh, the level of education you may want, uh, it, it can be hard to try and get that sometimes.
1: Yeah, it can be. Um, it can be hard to try to get it, and then even once you do get it, sometimes after you get the business education, you still it doesn't necessarily help you get access to the networks you need to actually start businesses or get jobs at uh, sort of entrepreneurial startup businesses after you have even the business education.
0: Part of this and going back to something we said a little bit ago would be would link back to business lending. And uh, I think I've, I think we're still too close to to what happened with the recession to expect that, that business lending would change significantly, you know, anytime in the immediate future. But still, if business lending was tweaked somehow, it, it, it could potentially really spur something in terms of economic growth with a lot of these small businesses.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, there's definitely, you know, evidence that if we had a more flexible business lending uh, environment, um, particularly one that is, you know, we can ensure is not being predatory, um, that it could really help some of these people who might not have access to other types of financial resources, whether it be their own wealth or getting uh, money from investors that they have a personal relationship with. If we had a more flexible business lending um, sort of environment, that it would really help in particularly those people who don't have access to business networks.
0: Your comments are welcome at 844 Wharton 844 Especially if you're a small business owner, maybe you've seen this, this trend a little bit. 844 I wanted to delve for the last few minutes uh, about uh, something that I think is a, a cornerstone in this report, is the fact that even at the same income level, the same wealth, and the same education – that the problems are significantly more for african Americans compared to white males, or significantly more to women i mean you're you're talking about having basically a level playing field, mm-hmm. yet the problems are significant still,
1: yeah, I mean, so that's showing that um. It's not as level of a playing field as you might think. I think there's some other sort of structural things okay. going on. Um, so we look at really basic factors like that we typically think are correlated with business ownership, like income, wealth, education, uh, age. Business owners tend to be a little bit older than non-business owners. Um, that doesn't explain it all. There's something more going on here. Um, so this is a typical thing we do in economics is we try to control for everything we think might be correlated with it. And if there's anything left over, that sort of shows us that there's something else going on there. Um, a lot of times we attribute you know, that leftover unexplained portion of a phenomenon like this uh, for people of color and for women as discrimination. So it could be overt discrimination uh, in financial institutions, or it could be these structural things, like if you're, you live in a community that is less likely to have access to high-quality financial services at large. Um, so it's not only that you're maybe being discriminated against in a bank office, um, that certainly happens to people. But also, if you live in a community that doesn't have a good community bank in it that can help you out, um, those things are also sort of structural uh, issues that help that affect women and people of color differently.
0: So then what is, is kind of the nirvana? What is what is a way to start thinking about some of the things that we really need to address now to try and improve this lot? The wage gap, obviously, is, is something that's uh, mm-hmm. very much a, a disparate uh, thing between men and women.
1: Yeah, I know. So, you know, a lot of the work that uh, the Center for American Progress has done on entrepreneurship uh, makes this conclusion at the end that a lot of the things we need are sort of broad-based progressive policies, like policies that help address the gender wage gap, policies that might help address uh, education inequalities, particularly quality education um, for all people. Um These sort of broad-based policies that just are good for all workers are also going to be good for business owners and make it easier for people to start their own businesses. Um, But I do think that there's also some directed policies we can do, like expanding the services that community banks do, because community banks do a better job of reaching out to these uh, people who are underrepresented in business ownership. Um, And then also, one of the provisions of Dodd-Frank that the CFPB is going to be undertaking is starting to collect some uh, demographic data based on business loans so we can get an understanding Uh, if and where discrimination is happening in business lending. So there's both sort of broad-based progressive policies we can do as well as some targeted analysis to try to figure out what's actually happening in these communities that's making it more difficult for people to get the supports they need to start a business.
0: Kate, greatly appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Good work by you all. Thank you.
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Kate Bond, uh, who is an economist at the Center for American Progress. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton,